This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. This week's guest is Alex French, and Alex has probably one of the coolest stories. Well, everyone here has had super cool stories, but super fun, cool story at the same time. It's a story of entrepreneurship. It's a story of being an ultra athlete, and it's the story of making money and drinking coffee. So this week's guest is Alex French, and he's currently the CEO of Get Busy which is a startup beverage company whose mission is to create the most convenient and highest quality beverages on the market. They're Amazon's number one cold brew, and he is changing the world of cold brew coffee. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, but importantly, he's, when he's not working on his business, he's mentoring college kids and training for ultra endurance races. So Alex, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited for the uh, conversation. Pretty funny. So I think, you know, we, before we chatted, last time we were chatting, we were talking about, what's it, the world's toughest mutter in 2013. And it was, uh, it was a cold, sort of interesting day in the park in, uh, in New Jersey. And I think the good thing is us old guys beat you young guys. So it was more fun. So I can brag a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Talk about, you know, talk about Busy Coffee, how you got into it, you know, and Busy's B-I-Z-Z-Y for those who aren't seeing the video and his cool bag behind. Yeah, so we, so just to level set, we make uh, multi-serve products for at-home use uh, as the primary function. And the, the, the story of it is, um, you know, as you mentioned, we were training for the world's toughest mutter, which is no joke of a training. Uh, you know, 24 hour race, it's as tough as it gets. And so uh, at the time, my roommate and I, we were training for this race together, both work in corporate. I was at, yeah, I was at General Mills. He was doing um, project management at a medical device manufacturer, but both like very career driven working, you know, 60 hours a week, roughly. And then, you know, training for the world's toughest mutter, which is another like full-time job. Cause you know, our goal, cause for some reason in our head, having never done one before, we're like, we're going to win first place for sure. And trained as such. So, you know, we would do training runs at like one in the morning on a Tuesday, sort of a scenario. And so just through like career and then this, you know, ultra endurance training, not sleeping a ton. And so Andrew and I, my, my roommate are generally like, we're pretty frugal price conscious of things. So we would always like buy things in bulk. And so right out of the gates, it was like, okay, we wanted to have a a high quality product that was sugar free and had a lot of caffeine. And so I actually had this terrible reputation at work of falling asleep at my desk. And so we're drinking a ton of coffee and this was like for probably a month we're drinking a ton of coffee and I just generally don't like hot beverages they make me like really sweaty and uncomfortable and Andrew has pretty severe acid reflux and so we're just like looking at alternative options we come across cold brew which at the time was you know relatively new this is seven years ago and it was like perfect it was cold 
it was way higher in caffeine, it was smoother, and specifically it has 67% less acid. And so Andrew could drink copious amounts of it and not have any stomach issues. So really like we're just was drinking cold brew coffee out of a personal need. And the nice thing is you can brew it in like huge batches, store it in your fridge, and it's gonna last longer than say like a pot of coffee will. And so we were just like making this product ourselves. This was our third business venture together at the time. We had started with a snowboarding accessory, which failed. Then we had a um, kind of a group fitness company similar to like November Project, where it was just like free team fitness. We did like a pay what you want model. And that was like kind of successful. It started as training people for just the regular Tough Mudder. We were doing that and it was fun, but like a ton of work and had no scalability. So we were looking for a new business. We were drinking cold brew. I was at General Mills um, working on the Cheerios team and I had access to just like all of this sales data, like by product, by brand, by region, by market, could literally look at anything. And so we were just like looking at all these different categories and because of our failed snow sports props, we kind of had like a, a framework of what we wanted it to be. And it was pretty simply um, consumable. So we wanted to acquire the customer once and have them continually purchase. And we wanted it to be something that was searchable because for this first business, we had to educate people and that's just really expensive. So we had that like general framework and then being at General Mills and the marketing team, there was all these like macro trends that were happening. So like, you know, lower sugar, plant-based, fewer ingredients. And we were drinking cold brew coffee just purely because we wanted energy and we wanted it to be those things, right? Fewer ingredients, sugar-free, um, and like delicious and craft. And so this kind of fit the business model that we wanted of searchable, consumable, and fit on all the macro trends. And we like loved the product and thought we had like a pretty good founder story because of the 24 hour race. And the one thing about cold brew, if anyone listening has made it themselves is it takes 18 hours to make. And so if you're someone that is like super busy, constantly training, um, planning 18 hours in advance for anything is like kind of difficult, especially on a consumable product. And so we thought to ourselves, like every good business has a problem solution kind of statement and so for us like we knew that it was a big category it fit on the trends and there was a clear like it takes 18 hours to make we're too busy to make it let's create a product that's ready to drink and that was essentially kind of how it came to be right that's awesome you know but you figured out a need for what you're you know what worked for you right and, that, and that's really what it all comes down to because chances are, if you like it, other people are going to like it. And, and that's the funny thing is it, it, that's how you can create a niche. That's what I did with executive athletes. That's what I've done with other things because it's like, there's, I'm not the only one on the planet that likes to work out, train and do business, right? You know, there's lots of people that are doing it and you figure out how to make that work. And you guys super pulled it off. But, you know, I also love the fact that you were talking about, you know, you had a couple other ventures that, the snowboard venture that failed then uh you know the group fitness november project thing was you know sort of a you probably were successful in that realm but no one's ever really successful in that realm regardless and then but pulling this off has been has been awesome so congratulations on doing that and 
you know, one of the things I was reading about you is, is sort of the sleepless nights, right? And, you know, the 24-hour race thing sets you up for that or sleeping in your office or sleeping on the floor, but you guys would use an air mattress, roll it up and put it back and go work out at the gym that day. Talk to us a bit about that of launching the business. Yeah, so we so we did the race 2013 was in New Jersey when you kicked our ass, and then 2014 we did it in in Vegas, and that year was super awesome. I was at General Motors, as I mentioned. We got Wheaties to sponsor us. Actually, I put this whole marketing plan together. It was amazing. That's when we like we were training all the time and we 2013 we were just making because like the product 2014 we started ideating it as kind of a business and working on like our flavors and our blends kind of just as like a side project kind of nights and weekends type of stuff 2015 i moved over to the venture capital division at general mills and really like understood like wow these are big opportunities there's a bunch of capital out there go raise money um, I thought it was going to be super easy to raise money because I was in the food industry. I had this big opportunity and um, I was in the venture capital space, but that was like definitely not the case. <laughs> very, very hard to raise money. And maybe it's because I don't have entrepreneurs in my family or maybe it's because the Midwestern culture is very fiscally conservative, but we were just unsuccessful. So it was, you know, basically fall of 2015. And we really were having zero luck. And my business partner and I, Andrew, were like completely out of money. We were borderline going to shut it down because uh, we just were tapped personally. And so we couldn't get any money from local investors. And we heard about these things called an accelerator, where basically you apply and you become a part of a cohort. And then you work with like a lot of times it's like 10 other or like 10 companies together. And it's a 13-week program they invest money and then they bring in a bunch of mentors and essentially teach you how to professionally fundraise. And so we got into one of them and it was in New York and it was in September and we, we applied late, somehow got in, but we had one week to decide if we were going to quit our jobs, which were relatively successful and like go all, go all in on this business. And that was like a super tough decision to, because we both liked our jobs. They were both pretty good, but had this broader vision of like what could be. And so we ended up taking the leap and going out there. And I think they gave us like $30,000 of investment, which to launch a physical product is, is like nothing. And so we went out there and it was, it was just enough money for us to do our first production run. And everyone else was in like food tech. So they were doing like an app or they had some sort of like software or a video service or something in the food industry. So they were able to take that money and like get a um, apartment and like food where we had to finance an uh, inventory. And so what we did is, as you kind of called out, we went to REI because they had their, at the time they were, you know, known for having a return policy where no matter what, we'll take it back. So we're like, all right, we got to put up a little bit of money to get some mattresses, but we can return them at the end of the year. You know, I wouldn't do that now, but at the time we did. <laughs> and so we got these, you know, blow up mattresses and we were training for the world's toughest mudder again. This was the third year and 
you know, so we would basically like get up in the mornings. There was an Equinox right down the gym or down the road. So for anyone that's in New York, we were in the financial district. So every morning we'd, we were on like, was it 50th and broad or something. And we would walk down wall street, walk by the exchange. And then right across the street was an Equinox. So like we had this crazy motivation every morning, a, we were training for the race and doing this um, business and every day we'd walk by the New York Stock Exchange and it's like, someday we're going we're gonna to get on there. So we'd go train in the morning. We'd work out uh, or yeah, we'd work out and then go back, work the entire day. And then everyone would leave. And then, you know, we'd work until we fell asleep. We'd blow up our air mattresses once everyone was gone. And then in the morning, we'd just roll them back up and then go to the gym before anyone showed up. And it was so funny because everyone's like, God, those busy guys, man, they're always working. First one's here, last one to leave. And uh, nobody knew for the first like two months. And then towards the last like three weeks, we started making jokes of like, yeah, get out of my bedroom. I'm like, that's my shower over there and making all these jokes. And uh, yeah, eventually people kind of kind of caught on and they're like, oh, this is actually really smart and saves a ton of money because uh, everyone was in these cramped apartments that had no kitchens and like crappy Wi-Fi. And so and then the last like month was honestly like a almost like back to the dorms where like three other startups ended up crashing at the office too. And it was, it was kind of fun. So yeah, we finished that program. We were supposed to be successful at raising capital. Again, we weren't. So then moved back home to Minneapolis. Um, Andrew and I both lived with our parents respectively, didn't take a salary, um, launched a couple of products that failed and, you know, eventually kind of found our way to, uh, to where we are today. And talk to us about, you know, the food industry. It's probably one of the most competitive industries out there with the lowest margins. How did you, you know, talk, you know, you had the knowledge from the general mills, but talk to us about breaking into that business, right? Because I think a lot of people have nutrition ideas that are, you know, that are listening to this or different supplement ideas. And I'm sure those are two totally different worlds, but talk to us about breaking into an industry that's mature, that's been around, that is you know, it's probably super biased to their own products. Yeah, honestly, it is extremely difficult. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to be an overnight success because before General Mills, I was at Best Buy as a, on the supply chain merchandising side. So I like knew all the language of retail because I was on that side. And then I was on the marketing side and I was a part of a couple of launches on the Cheerios team. And I just assumed you go to Target, you give them your presentation, you make up some numbers, and they just put you out in every store. That was my assumption. And I went and tried, and I mean, we got nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And so, honestly, out of necessity, we launched on Amazon. We had a shelf-stable cold brew coffee concentrate. And we were very early in cold brew on the internet. And so we were able to basically leverage that search volume um, to, to be successful. And so, um, you know, if we wouldn't have launched on Amazon when we did, um, we probably wouldn't be where we are, but I think what made, made the biggest difference and where, you know, what you can do now, the market landscape has changed quite dramatically where once we were in Amazon, um, early on, we would go to the retailers and we'd say, Hey, we're number one on Amazon. And they would basically slam the door in my face. And they'd say, well, if you're with Amazon, you're against us. And there was two years where even though we were like the best seller, we couldn't even get an in-person meeting. A lot of times they wouldn't even respond. And when they did, they would just say, not interested if you're on Amazon. 
And so now that whole kind of script has flipped where because we're on Amazon and we're we're winning there, the retailers basically have to take you at this point. Mm. And so for anyone listening that has a physical product idea, you know, we actually have a, a motto, uh, Andrew and I do, that says powders are perfect. Because one thing that we didn't realize early on is kind of like your price to weight ratio makes or breaks your business. So the only reason that we've been successful with a beverage on the internet is because it's a high-priced, shelf-stable concentrate. So the dollars are condensed into very expensive liquid. And if you think about a bag of coffee, like the one I have behind me, it's essentially a powder. I mean, it's moldable, it's flexible, you can put it in any size, and it's extremely light and generally high-priced. And so we launched our ground coffee business in twenty beginning of 2018, and if we would not have done that, we would not be where we are today. We would not have succeeded. Um, you know, we lost money on our retail business, I mean, until months ago. So we're five years in, basically, and we were losing money every month, where if we would have just launched a powdered slash ground coffee business on the internet, um, that is the way to, to scale very fast, very effectively. Because in order to be profitable in retail and grocery, food and beverage specifically, you have to be at scale. And as you mentioned, there are, you know, there's 10 huge food companies that have been in bed with these retailers for 50 years. And they're going to do whatever they can to keep you out. But if you have a good online business and you choose a product format that lends itself to being profitable, you can build a great brand online and then the retailers basically have to carry you. So a, a great example of that would be like liquid IV as a, as a newer kind of supplement brand or noon again, very, very awesome product. It's light. It's like a tablet, very successful online. And then they're able to push into all these retail stores because you essentially have to carry it. So very, very, very difficult uh, category. And the only reason we've been successful and will continue to be is because we were able to have this profitable kind of dry coffee business that was sold online. And then we're able to then take that success with our liquid products and then basically force the retailers to take it. No, and I love what you're saying there, how it switched, right? At number one on Amazon is not what it was before where they're like, oh, you're just an Amazon person. Now you need to be on Amazon to gain any credibility out there mm -hmm. in the market. Talk to us about, you know, one of the things you mentioned that you're still sleeping on the floor in New York City, you're at the accelerator, but you're still getting up to go train, to go work out, to go, you know, make sure you're staying healthy. Talk to us a bit about that and the importance of that. Yeah, for me, I mean, it was absolutely critical. And really from 2013, 14, 15, we were training for the world's toughest mutter. And I just think there's such an amazing thing about having a goal with a deadline where, you know, they say failing to plan is planning to fail. And I know, at least personally, this is kind of how I operate. If I have a goal with a deadline, I'm going to then create a training plan. And that's going to be a priority of my life. And I'm going to make sure that I can succeed in that goal. 
And then that just like work ethic will spill over into my day-to-day life. And the reason that I love the fitness side of it so much is because like with business and entrepreneurship, I mean, it's a long game. There is no such thing as an overnight success where they say it's a 10 year overnight success is what they say. And most people get so discouraged because they think, you know, these get rich quick schemes are going to happen where when I'm doing these endurance things and I'm tracking my data and I'm paying attention, I can see myself improving through the data and, you know, physically you can see improvements. And when you're in business and again, in entrepreneurship or, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, it's a grind every day and you're just going left foot, right foot, and you, you will not see progress, but in the long run, you know, you'll be shocked at what you can achieve. And so for me personally, there's been years um, through this entrepreneurial journey where I didn't have a race that was planned. And it, it, that, I don't want to say negativity, but that lack of a clear goal with a deadline just kind of spilled into my day-to-day life. And I was not performing at my peak level. And so I acknowledged that. And so right when we got back, we um, were really in a tough spot with the business. It wasn't working very well. We didn't have any money. And so really to stay motivated, Andrew and I just signed up for um, a marathon and we had a, you know, a goal time. We're not elite athletes, but we had a goal time of 3.30 and, you know, we were able to get there through training together. And then the next year after doing World's Toughest Mudder, we thought to ourselves, okay, we were kind of in the entrepreneurial thing for a while and realized that, you know, in order for us to succeed, we were going to have to raise a lot of capital. And as we started like getting into it, um, we realized that this is really kind of like an old boys club. And because we didn't have any wins and we didn't have a network of kind of, you know, wealthy individuals that we could lean on to get us the introductions, we knew that our work ethic could get us to those people as long as we could have some in. And as we were looking at kind of, you know, the investor landscape, it turned out that a lot of people had been doing Ironman. And so we're like, holy cow. And we started interviewing Ironman just out of, that's just the type of guys we are. It's like, okay, how, how does this thing work? You know, we had never swam. We had literally never done a triathlon. And we're just like, all right, I think we got to get this Ironman badge. We got to put this thing on our resume. And so ended up signing up for Ironman truly with the goal of like, just so we could put it on our LinkedIn profiles so that when we reach out to this, you know, prospective investor, some of them are Ironmen. And as we all know, if you're kind of one of those types of people, A, you know who they are and B, you're automatically friends. And then C, you know, you'll make sure that you can get that connection. And so you know, we did that and have really always tried to have that goal with the deadline. And, you know, that is a sacrifice of sleep. But fortunately for us, we own a brewery that makes coffee. And so, you know, we're able to have an unlimited supply. But we really try and preach that um, within the company. And we even have a some of like our values, like one of them is go the extra mile. And that's specifically because, you know, we have a lot of athletes on our team and that's just kind of what we believe in. And so we'll always make sure when available, 
um, that we can have races, you know, every quarter. So we can have a training program. So you just are always striving to be your personal best. And then we found that, as I mentioned, that will then spill into uh, kind of the day-to-day work life as well. No, and that's huge. And I think, you know, what's the, what's this all with the saying, right? If you want something done, ask a busy person, but it's sort of the same thing of what you're training and you always see athletes in high school are always doing better in school when they're competing and when they're not competing and it's an off season, it's people get lazy. They don't do anything. Right. And I think that's the same mindset I have. I'm always trying to train for something. I'm always trying something new and something different. And I think that's what, that's what keeps me going as well, because it keeps you disciplined. Believe me, I'm not, you know, I'm 47. I'm not afraid to go off the rails a little bit now and then, but it's one of those things that I, you know, I still train six days a week, some days, seven days a week, because it keeps your sanity. It keeps you coming back, back to who you are. But again, the productivity piece is, is amazing because you know that you can hammer out a 24 hour race or 48 hour race or whatever it is works easy. It's not hard. It's just, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I, I get a day. And, and, and what happens, what I've noticed is, is, you know, with entrepreneurs and sort of, you know, very sales driven people is yet, you know what, you might need to take a break in the middle of the day to go work out or take a nap or go do something like that. But you're going to go nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night or get up at five in the morning. Right. So you can bang out what you need to do. And I think that discipline really comes from you know athletics and it's not necessarily growing up being an athlete but it's sort of you know being a born again athlete as well right people are like more passionate in their 40s and 50s and i know many guys and girls who can kick way more ass than anyone in their you know 20s and 30s so it's it's becoming much more important in today's culture and and i love what you said sort of the you know, the Ironman thing, right? And you get that on your resume or you talk to people that have done endurance races or 24-hour races or went to the CrossFit Games or doing all that. And it's, you instantly have a bond. Yeah, it's it's funny. Andrew and I are uh, in the running for Entrepreneur of the Year, the uh, Ernst & Young. And nice. you go and give these presentations and usually it's in person, but of course this year it's, it's uh, via zoom, if you will. And there was a guy that was local to Minnesota and he is an iron man. And I mean, he called us afterwards and was like, Oh, your story is so awesome. I love that you're an iron man. Hey, by the way, I just got this brand new wake surfing boat how about you come with us and I'll take you out on Lake Minnetonka and it's all on me and let's go have some fun. And this is a guy that had no reason to, to do this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we got the opportunity to do that, which was so fun where if we were just normal guys, I mean, he wouldn't have asked us to do that. And the funny thing is he, I think he did Ironman in like 2012 and we show up, you know, of course, once, once you get an Ironman bag, I mean, you wear it constantly, we show up wearing our Ironman gear and he's just grinning from ear to ear because, you know, he got one from eight years ago and it's falling apart. We got these kind of fresh new ones. So it's funny, but the, the connection's real. The bond is real. And I think along with the connection, it just really shows the type of person you are. I mean, everyone listening and, and us included is, you know, we have a certain mindset and a work ethic and, you know, I strongly believe like you don't fail until you quit. And I think everyone in this kind of community has that same mindset, which I just love. 
No, and that's exactly what it is, right? And you know, people. And the other piece of it is uh, being in the search business. I found that people hire people that they like, and more importantly, that are like them. And it's the same thing in business, right? People hire people do business with people they like or that are like them. And because you have those same those same mindsets and those same visions of of doing it, and it's not you know our bond is athletics, and it's not saying that it can't be computer programming, art, dance whatever, you know, fire making, karate, I don't know, but you have some sort of bond that brings you together. And that's where I think more business is done nowadays from that than going out and, oh, let's go to dinner. Let's go, you know, clubbing afterwards because no one wants to do that anymore. Number one, number two, we don't have time to do that anymore. Right. Because it's our, our schedules are becoming so tight. I think with the advent of zoom and with smartphones and everything else, People say, yeah, you're overscheduled, but you get way more done in the shorter amount of time that then allows you to go do, do those other things. Yep, no, I agree. And the internet has made it this wonderful thing where you can find these communities and niches all over. And, you know, you look at Strava as a wonderful example where mm-hmm. with our community and niche, you all of a sudden have a global reach and a global community. And, you know, some of those people that I met in that accelerator program in New York, you know, I'm still close with them. Yes, we were entrepreneurs together, but I follow them on Strava, right? And we have right. this bond of like, holy crap, you just did a 70 mile ride through the mountains of Venezuela. And I get to go kind of entertain that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. No, and, that, and, and that's, you know, and I think that's the bond. So we're coming up here on a half, we're on a half hour. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Busy Coffee and more find out more about Alex? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Alexander James French uh, is my name there. And then, you know, I would love it. We actually just launched this new product. It's a pitcher pack um, on busycoffee.com, B-I-Z-Z-Y. And I would just love some feedback. It's a brand new product for us. It allows you to make cold brew without a cold brew coffee maker. It's basically a giant tea bag. Um, I would love it if you guys would give it a try and uh, email me direct, alex at busycoffee.com. If you like it, you hate it. Um, we think it's the future, but you know, it's, it's a brand new product. So any feedback would just be amazing. And then of course you can find us on all the social media, um, at busy coffee. Awesome. And what I'll do is I'll post all that with this as well. So people can check out your stuff and, um, no, it's a great idea and I love what you're doing. So nice work with everything and really pushing this through. Awesome. Thanks so much. And everyone who's listening, feel free, you know, to reach out to me with any questions, comments, if somehow you missed the, uh, the notes there or Alex saying where to reach out to him, you can always find him via me as well at KenExecutiveAthletes.com. Or if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out as well. But everyone, thanks for listening. Hopefully this is in the summer of 2020 and who knows what's next. And it's just, it, it seems to be getting crazier and crazier every day, but more importantly, go out there, keep crushing it and keep moving forward because we'll all get this through this together. Thanks everyone for listening.